Hello, great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Planning Wisdom of the Super Rich. I'm your host, Ryan Ruff. I've got Devang Patel standing by. He'll be joining me momentarily. But first, we want to thank you for finding your way back to the show. As you know, each episode, Devang and I unpack a specific financial topic, and we discuss a handful of elements surrounding the topic. Today, we've got a really nice one dialed up for you. It's uh, really surrounding the idea of a family's dynamic, specifically when associated with their wealth as a whole. And like I said, uh, luckily, We've got Devang with us today to kind of shed some light, uh, you know, on the situation as a whole and, and share some of his experiences in having these similar conversations with his, you know, wealthy, affluent, or even super rich clients over at Virtus Wealth Solutions. So let's go ahead and bring Devang on board. Devang, how are we doing this morning? Good to see you. I'm doing awesome, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Hey, I'm ready for another good conversation today. And I was thinking of a, of a good way to start our conversation. Really, the topic that we're going to be addressing is the idea behind a family constitution. We'll get into what that is in a moment, of course, but let's take a step back. First, one of the biggest concerns that are facing affluent families today is how to manage their wealth so that it achieves a few different goals. And that's, you know, obviously they want to continue to grow their wealth uh, and make sure that it's transferred to younger generations. They want to make sure it lines with their goals and values so it can achieve those goals. And then, of course, they want to make sure that that wealth isn't taken from anyone unjustly, that it stays within the family to help achieve those goals. So that being said, Devang, in your experience, what kind of unique challenges arise when families with wealth attempt to work together to manage their assets as a whole? This is a great topic, Ryan. And uh, wealthy families are in a unique situation when it comes to wealth and assets. Mm -hmm. Affluence, as you know, can help families achieve great things and realize their shared vision, of course, but it can also create resentments and rifts that could potentially damage a family's financial position and cause, uh, let's say, uh, fighting among family members. So when decisions about significant wealth involve multiple family members from more than one generation, the opportunity for conflicts to arise is greatly magnified. Uh, I have families that I've known uh, back in India and also uh, here in New Jersey, where there are three generations of family members trying to make decisions about how to run the family business. And as you know, nobody's happy. And uh, the family wealth has been squandered in both those instances. The biggest example being the wealthiest family in India is the Ambani family. Two brothers inherited almost $35 billion each from their father. Fast forward from 2007 until now, one brother is worth around 70 billion. The other brother is bankrupt. And uh, the both of them went to court and there were like numerous issues. Wow. Similar things we have seen in the US where we have like the uh, Rockefeller family, which is mm -hmm. amazingly wealthy. Whereas the Vanderbilt family, which was, uh, he was one of the most wealthy guy back in the late uh, 1800s, mm -hmm. that family has lost all their wealth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly one of those big things. You want to obviously make sure that that wealth is sustained over time. So let me ask you this then, Devang. Are there any specific wealth-related issues that you tend to see more uh, with uh, families that do have significant assets? Uh, that largely depends on the amount of assets as well as whether the family is involved in a business together. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're involved in a business together, it makes the situation a little bit more complicated. But broadly speaking, as wealth, uh, wealthy families grow and expand over time, one big issue is keeping them and their shared capital together. From what we know is like the Rockefeller family is stronger because they kept their assets together because then they get the leverage of billions of dollars working together 
instead of the money getting split like say 10 times or 16 times as the families keep growing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the wealth remains commingled because of legal structures such as multi-generational trust. However, family members who feel wrong in some way may take legal action to try and break such trust. And that's what we see creating greater family disharmony and possibly uh, jeopardizing the family bottom line as if they run a family business together. Right. I mean, it's one thing, of course, it's unfortunate, you know, if a family has a divide, there's a rift between family members. And it's a whole nother issue if that's going to jeopardize the family wealth, because let's face it, it could be the parents, the great parent or the, I'm sorry, the grandparents, the great grandparents, even that the wealth was originally generated by. And, and it's just an unfortunate circumstance to potentially see that squandered due to a family rift. So that being said, Devang, what can families do to create and ultimately, you know, maintain more harmonious relationships? relationships and situations, attitudes, uh, you know, and make sure that their wealth is aligned and that everybody's working well together on this front. What can they be doing? So to avoid this uh, situations, Ryan, and similar outcomes and to help build an amazing family harmony, we suggest that wealthy families consider creating a formal family constitution. Hmm. A family constitution can be effective tool for dodging serious conflicts and facilitating agreements among family members. It helps family members address their concerns and preferences constructively. Often, constitutions will also lay out the future direction and the action family intends to take. This is the approach we see taken by many super rich uh, networks of 500 million or more with amazingly positive results. And it's a step that far more families should consider, even if the net worth is nowhere near that amount, because it helps keep the families together more important than the money. Sure. And this makes sense. You know, one comprehensive document that, you know, outlines these family goals, keeps everybody on the same page. Now, how would a family go about drafting this document to make sure it does achieve the types of goals and outcomes that the family ultimately wants? That's a great question, Ryan. Uh, Most family constitutions start by recognizing that there is contentiousness nearly in all families. Mm. Family members will disagree and even fight. So the family constitution seeks to spell out specific ways a family can effectively address conflicts that are almost certain to arise over time and across generation as the families keep becoming bigger. One of the biggest goals of a family constitution is to prevent the type of family conflicts that can tear families apart and diminish the fortunes, as we have seen with many big families. Family constitutions are also designed to detail how a family will deal with dissent when it arises, because guess what? It will arise. When there is specific method for managing and dealing with family conflicts, and those are well-documented and described, families can be very effective at reducing infighting, maybe even eliminating it. The whole point of the family constitution is to head off conflicts by promoting communication and striving for consensus among family members around core principles, values, and what was the long-term intent of the family wealth. Sure. And Devang, as we shift into kind of our next question, I think it begs to be asked, what essentially should a a family constitution be specifying, you know, in in kind of a list format, if you will? Absolutely. A family constitution should, among other things, help your family equitably address issues around its wealth, because most issues come from wealth, which might include assets such as operating businesses, properties like real estate or art, as well as invested wealth and other savings. Specifically, a constitution should specify how wealth is to be used by family members, what limitations there are on how the wealth is spent, invested, and donated over time, 
who makes the decisions and how these decisions are made, how the family members can provide input and impact the decision-making around the distribution and use of wealth, and finally, how family members are prepared to perpetuate family values and manage the family wealth. In general, a family constitution will include three key sections. Who is defined as family? As we know, as families become larger, sometimes decisions are made specifically by who, people who are in the family and who is not in the family. So for example, many families have excluded those who marry into a family. Second, the ideology of the family. This spells out what the family stands for, including its values and objectives. And number three, reasons for staying together. This details the rationale for managing the joint capital and benefits of maintaining family cohesion. Together, we are stronger. Factors such as love and concerns, among other financial considerations, are normally part of this section. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned something interesting there, Devang, that families are ever-changing. Of course, they're growing in most instances. When you have a situation like that, maybe with a big family in particular, who from a given family should be involved in these discussions, in discussing these issues that we just laid out, and then going forward into the process of creating and drafting the family constitution? Right. Normally, the key decision makers across the family need to be involved and heard. Mm -hmm. In developing a family constitution, it's necessary to gain consensus among the family members. Without broad base agreements, the family constitution will never be uh, written. And if it is, it's likely going to be contested. Also, the best time a family constitution should be written is when relationships in family are strong or not as strained. That makes consensus more likely. Also, all parties should be motivated to reach agreements and develop shared solutions that will benefit everybody. Sure. And Devang, this is a really comprehensive document. Obviously, a lot is being laid out in this. How, how formal are these family constitutions? Are these essentially legal documents or are they more like a, a, you know, a set of guidelines or principles? Uh, that's a great question. A family constitution is a written document. So it is a formal document in that sense. Mm -hmm. However, it's only a set of guidelines and prescription. It is not like a will, which is a legal and binding document that must be okay. adhered to. So family members create the constitutions together and then hopefully pledge to honor it over time. So let me ask you this then. What other advice would you have to help ensure that a family constitution remains relevant over time and, it, and is ultimately adhered to by everyone? Because, hey, we all know it. Circumstances change over time. Yeah. You know, a family dynamic shift. There's so much changing in the world today. How do you make sure that, that the family constitution does remain relevant? A huge thing, Ryan, that uh, to understand in a family constitution is that it has to be seen as a living document. It is mm -hmm. not a static once and done agreement that you create and put it in a cabinet, uh, a file cabinet. It will likely be important to modify the constitution over time as family circumstances evolve. Adopt a flexible approach, in my view, so that, uh, say, certain family members can be given more authority over time as they get older or more trustworthy. Uh, that approach will encourage family harmony over many, many years to come as different situations evolve. So, you know, we've laid out this great document. It, you know, it's a very comprehensive, keeps everybody aligned. Who can families then turn to for help with all of this? Where do you start, you know, from the process of just identifying their values and their concerns, what they want their wealth to achieve, to actually creating the physical document and then and then even revisiting it down the road, who do families turn to to really get this process rolling? 
as you know, Ryan, gaining consensus requires openness and cooperation among different family members. Right. And to that end, what we see is many wealthy families use facilitators who are third party to help them work through relational issues and emotions that are often attached to the financial issues. We have seen that these conversations around the family money can get very intense as they often overlap with family history, baggages, and ac any acrimony that exists. Social and political differences, given the, today's environment, also make conversations around family money more complicated. A neutral third-party facilitator, in our view, can help keep tensions at bay and help the family members be focused on what's uh, the topic at hand mm -hmm. instead of anger. Right, right. Because, hey, these are these are financial conversations that will ultimately, you know, help dictate the future or the legacy of your family and your family's wealth. So I can completely understand how, you know, having a neutral third party mediator to be there to help keep, you know, conversations civil, keep everybody, you know, focused and on track towards creating this great document. I can totally see how that would help. So, Devang, we've thrown a lot at our audience, at our listeners today. You know, I think it'd be great if we could kind of summarize everything for so in closing, could you kind of whip up really the, the key reasons of why, you know, families should be considering utilizing a formal document like the family constitution? Could you bottom line it for us, please? Absolutely right. So in general, a very well-crafted family constitution will accomplish several objectives. Number one, it will memorize a family's principles and values. Number two, it will establish checks and balances among different interests as well as ways to address conflicts and communication protocols. Number three, it will promote accountability of family members. And finally, it will ensure flexibility so that family can adapt to change, as we know, because change will happen over time. Right, exactly. Well, Devang, thanks so much for shedding some light on this. You know, the family constitution, it's, it, it, you know, in theory, the document makes sense. It, it, it would keep everybody aligned, but it's one of those things that I, I don't know if you hear too much about. So, you know, if this was something that any of our listeners had, had gained some, some understanding and some intrigue from, you know, we would recommend, of course, seeking out, you know, that, that professional help to get this process started. So, Devang, thank you so much for sharing your, your uh, wisdom with us today, and we're looking forward to the next episode already. Thank you, Ryan. Have an awesome day. All right, you too, Devang. And hey, we look, we want to thank you, our listeners, our viewers, for joining us for another episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to like, comment, subscribe, share this knowledge with friends and family. The Family Constitution, as Devang stated, is a great way to keep everybody aligned when it comes to your wealth. And remember, these conversations, yes, the show is called Planning Wisdom for the Super or of the Super Rich. But again, it's the key word is of the super rich. These are best practices being done by the affluent and the super rich, and they can ultimately be adhered to by individuals, families, business owners that don't have necessarily that same level of wealth. We're having great conversations on this show and providing some great strategies, uh, you know, for you and yours moving forward. Well, anyway, for Devang Patel, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're saying so long today, and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Planning Wisdom of the Super Rich. <laughs>